Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Health and Wealth Podcast with your hosts, Tim and Carter. What's trending in Richards? Carter Wilcoxon, founder of CSI Financial Group here with my co-host and former wealth advisor, Tim James, founder of chemicalfreebody.com and your new health advisor. This is the show where we reveal the connection between physical and financial abundance. Hey, welcome back in Richards, Carter Wilcoxon, coming to you live post-Easter. Uh, we just had that for those of you who are listening, obviously this comes out later on down the road, but Easter weekend, Good Friday just happened. Uh, hopefully everybody had a, a great one and everything. And I, of course, am joined by my fantastic co-host, Mr. Chemical Free Body himself, trying to look like me with that growing that beard out, Tim James. How are yeah, you? Yeah, the beard, the beard's out. So yeah, I, I went and saw my mom, my biological mom. I was adopted. I met her when I was 21 and uh, hung out with my sister-in-law and my three nieces. For, for Sunday for Easter, that was fun. Played what? Monopoly for the first time in, dude, like thirty years or something, forty years. I don't even know. It's been a while. You know what's interesting about that is that uh, you know during COVID, you know everybody did a little bit of different things when they were you know uh, at at home. We actually watched a lot less TV and we started doing like game night. So. We played, uh, you know, Monopoly, Sorry, um, but we really got addicted to, have you guys ever played Skipbo? Sure. Okay. So, so Skipbo is like, like the family, like favorite, like even when we went on family vacation, we took it with us. We went to Newport Beach over the summer, last summer and everything. Um, But it's, it was just great to like sort of bring the family closer together because, you know, a lot of families got torn apart during that time. And, you know, we wanted to, to, to take the opposite tact. And uh, and I believe that's what we did. So anyway, in Richards, we are super excited. You might have heard our guest today, Josh Manifold of, and I don't know if it's Compassion Advisors. Is that what it is, Josh? It's Compass Ion Advisors, but it's every now and then we'll have a client that catches. It's a play on Compassion. So you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was interesting because I just caught it today because I was, I always do this for Tim. He's like, hey, make sure you put the, uh, you know, the about page and, and, you know, in the chat box and everything. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I on advise. I'm like, oh, I get it. Like it just, it connected. I'm like, okay. So it's a total place like Compass. Yep. Okay. You're an advisor, right? You're guiding people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but then there's Dash and then I compassion. Yeah. Pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So. Um, I like it. Yeah, I, I like it too. So here's what I got to do for Easter as I'm as everybody's like probably had a great good Friday. Uh, you know, happy Easter and everything. And hopefully everybody did get a chance to spend some time with family and everything. I uh got to actually move my family. We moved homes <laughs> during uh the the weekend of uh of Easter. So I'm trying to catch up and you know get my bearings back. After, uh, you know, a four-bedroom home, you know, moving from one place to another. And my wife's like, never again. We're never yeah. doing this again. <laughs> so that's what how I got. Many, how many books and how many magazines and how many uh, game consoles, right? You question every single article of clothing. Do we, does it need to go with us? Oh, my goodness. And my wife is, thank God, she's like the purger of the family, right? <laughs> and like, like when we're... You know, spring cleaning, she spring cleans on a weekly basis, it feels like, right? 
And she, so she, we've got this standing rule that if she throws something away and, and I don't recognize or notice it or whatever, she goes, if you ever see something that you don't have anymore, like, Hey, where's it? She's like, I'll buy you something new. She's like, so if you don't know what's going bye-bye, and uh, and it's funny because my co-host, Tim James, um, we were just talking recently on a podcast, and he was talking like becoming more of a minimalist. So this purge really like helped me to start embracing the whole minimalist campaign, if you will. So I don't know if you guys uh, subscribed or, or Josh, if you subscribe to that or not, but it'll definitely help whenever you make a big family move. Yeah. I mean, think about the number of articles or, uh, you know, pieces that are out there that talk about experiences, right. Over, you know, possessions. So I'm, I'm with you. Try and join that club as regularly as, as possible. I don't know if there's actually such a thing as a happy hoarder. Is that even possible? I don't, they're I, don't typically, I haven't seen one yet. They're usually kind of, um, I don't know. They're, they're just not happy. <laughs> That's what it boils they're, down to. Yeah, they're, they're holding on to stuff, holding on to stuff, and it gets in the way. When you open up a drawer and you can't even get in there and stuff's falling down on you when you're trying to get it or you're trying to look. If you if you find yourself looking for things for over and over again, you can't even find it, and you go buy a new one. Then you find the other one a week later, and then you and then you need it again six months later, and you can't find either one of them. you got to go buy a new one. Then you find the other two. <clears throat> you, you might need to purge a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's no doubt. It'll be good for you. It'll be good. You know, when I help people with their health, man, it's like I come into people's homes and help them. They think that it's like, oh, he's going to help me with my diet and supplements or something and detoxing, right? Which, of course, we're going to detox the body, but part of your body is it's the environment. So we want to detox. We detox the home. I go to the refrigerator. We pull out a big garbage can, and we just start tossing shit. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, no, no. I'm like, hey, I can leave. Like, I don't need to be here. Like, I mean, you, I, look, you you don't have health. I have health. Listen to me. When you're healthier than me, then I'll listen to you. And that's what it boils down to. And, um, you know, you've got to clean that crap out. And then we go to the pantry, start throwing out. A, I think usually what we do is we pile it up and we take a photo of it. <laughs> and so what ends up happening is as the crap leaves the house, it's also you're detoxing your environment. You're actually detoxing your uh, emotional and spiritual components because it's it's freeing you up. It's freeing up space. You're not so clogged down. People feel lighter. Everybody always tells me when they detox their home, we get done with it. They're like, I feel better. I feel yeah. better. It's really about having that high quality environment and that space to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So, Hey, enrichers, um, we are, uh, we're very glad that you're here and thank you again for joining us for, uh, for another episode, but let's go ahead and get into the backstory for Josh Manifold on uh, you know what brought him into the financial services business and uh, and basically having that heart for wanting to help people, uh, which obviously based upon the name of the company that he works with and or for you know having some compassion and having a compass uh, as an advisor. So so go ahead and share with us, Josh. You know how far back do we need to go on maybe an early influencer? Or was it something that you know you grew up in, or was it like during school or whatever? Share with the enrichers, you know, what brought you into this uh, into this great organization in this, uh, obviously, this great environment of uh, financial services. Sure. I mean, I think the, the one of the things that shaped me was uh, obviously my family. Um, so my parents were both first generation college educated. Um, you know, my dad uh, is around the age of 30 diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. 
So you think about, you know, kind of the, the family that I was born into, there's a difference between, uh, I'd call it expectations, and then what actually played out, right? So my parents thought they were going to be, you know, young, healthy, you know, they wanted many kids. My dad was in a management track of a large Fortune 500 company, uh, you know, every couple of years relocating for, you know, job promotions, and then all of a sudden starts having some double vision, uh, and you know, kind of his, you know, gets a diagnosis that you know the rugs pulled out from under him. That you know, single diagnosis, you know, changed what our family was, you know, I'd say capable of um, from a, you know, looking back from a financial standpoint. Um, you know, he didn't die, so there wasn't life insurance. They were, I'd say, underinsured from a disability standpoint. Um, and the hardships that were then experienced because my mom then had to go back to work. So she becomes a French teacher uh, at some public and private schools. Um, but the financial implications of that were huge. Um, you know, early retirement that was forced upon my dad because he lost the, the physical, verbal capabilities, couldn't drive. Um, like my family went through some significant hardships. I was on free and reduced lunches as a kid. Um, so we, I was receiving a lot because my parents were a part of a very unique, I'll use the word, just community of friends that cared for them. Um, one of my, you know, probably best childhood memories is we went to uh, a Christmas Eve service um, and we come back uh, from the service and walked, you know, we used the back door, the porch door to get in and out of the house. And while we were at this church service, my parents' friends had basically put Christmas out on our back porch. They knew that my mom and dad lacked the financial resources that year to kind of give my brother and I the Christmas that every kid dreams of. And we turn the corner. My brother and I look at each other. We're ecstatic because it's Christmas Eve and, you're, you know, got this porch, I'll use the term, full of Christmas gifts. But, you know, what I learned years later is, again, my parents didn't have the resources and friends, you know, stepped in and helped. So I think, you know, watching or I'd say from my point of view, being on the receiving end of generosity, watching commitment and friendships play out, not because my parents were, you know, like, hey, let's go vacation at the islands together. My parents and our family were like quite literally in need of, at times we had friends that, you know, let us use their vacation homes at time, And that was the only reason we were going on vacation was because it was free. Uh, my parents had needs where it was, you know, a car broke and they couldn't afford to fix it. We had family friends that, you know, literally gave us their car to use. Uh, my brother's braces were paid for, not because my parents had saved money and had an HSA, but because a family was willing to step in and say, you have a need, we'll help. Um, so there's just lots of these stories where I, I was on the receiving end of generosity. And it kind of plants a seed in you when you see that from a young age. Yeah. So. Um... It really does give you a unique perspective. So your dad diagnosed with MS at 30 at that age or at that time. How, what is your age? Um, I am not born, um, but it you know changed the, the trajectory as far as the number of kids they wanted to have. Gotcha. So gotcha. That's why, you know, I've got one brother who's five years older than me. And that's why I'm the last child. They kind of said, hey, if this is what uh, life is going to look like. How responsible is it to bring more kids into the world? Wow. So. Um, so then, so seeing that, you know, uh, obviously the generosity, that's, that's phenomenal. And, you know, uh, zero expectations for Christmas time. So you're blown away, you and your brother. Right? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. So that, that is, a, I, I love hearing those types of stories. And then, so where did you grow up? Did you grow up where you're at now in that, in that Philadelphia area? Yeah. Great question. In the Philadelphia area, you know, unique situation in that we had one acre that was kind of like, again, cause my dad wasn't mowing the yard. My brother and I were, you know, mow the grass, cut the yard, you know, did our own laundry, uh, you know, learn to cook meals one day a week. Like we had all these, you know, lists of, jo- of jobs, responsibilities in early elementary school. And then we had a back acre that was all, you know, like I'd say, you know, trails and paths and, you know, go make mischief and go have a bunch of fun. So it was, you know, kind of close enough to Philadelphia to get some of the, you know, access to, to urban environments and all the arts and stuff like that. But then also, I'd say suburban enough where you kind of had your own space and could, you know, play with the neighborhood friends and, and do all that kind of stuff from a growing up standpoint. Gotcha. Awesome. So, um, you know, a lot of the, uh, and this tends to be a theme again from the advisors that come on the health and wealth podcast. Uh, did you play sports growing up, you know, you and your brother? Yeah. Sports were a huge part. I mean, at that point it was all, you know, I'd say backyard and neighbors. It was kick the can. Uh, it was, you know, wiffle ball. You know, it wasn't as I'd say it was nowhere near the environment of structured sports that my kids are participating in or that are just commonplace uh, in this environment. It was all just who can you gather, go knock on doors, you know, pick your, you know, are we playing flag football today? Are we playing wiffle ball? Uh, what, what are we doing? Let's go have some fun. But yes, yeah, sports were a part between middle school, high school, you know, played some uh, lacrosse in college. So there was that kind of team, that coach, that, um, you know, kind of that, you know, that effort, if you will, that, that sports draws out of you in the best of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's pretty, that's pretty normal. I mean, it seems like, uh, I mean, Tim and I both, you know, we, we played baseball. That was our, our sport of choice, you know, growing up and everything. And, you know, Tim being a former wealth advisor, now, uh, you know, a health advisor and everything. It's interesting. It just seems like people who get into this type of industry have played some sort of, you know, usually a team sport, right? Very, yeah. very rarely is it, um, golf. I, I got in there, Tim. Uh, but, um, you know, which tends to be, I, I didn't know this. So my son started playing high school golf this year as a freshman and uh, he made the varsity team, but I didn't, I, you know, I played golf. That's why I moved out to Phoenix, Arizona. And it was for me always an individual thing. Cause I didn't play it growing up. I played baseball team sport, but I didn't realize how much of a team sport it is whenever you play high school or, or uh, collegiate golf. So um it's it's a it's a very much a team sport so it's individual and then also there's the the team can win too in tournaments and stuff it's the combined scores of the team i imagine just like wrestling is kind of like that you have everybody can win on their own or lose and then but the team can win yeah for sure yeah and and in fact i I didn't think about that i always think of like the other sort of individual sports like tennis where you're competing against you know one other person or whatever but but yeah wrestling i mean that's that's completely individual I mean, yeah, ain't nobody going to help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely no help there for sure. There's two um, ways, two ways out. you get pinned or they pin you or the time runs out. Yeah. Well, three yeah. ways, I guess three. There you go. That's why I'm not a, an advisor um, anymore, Josh. I'm not very good with numbers. <laughs> Just kidding. There you go. <laughs> so, um, so you ended up going to college then in the Philadelphia area or where, where did you get your, um, yeah, great question. Ended up um, at that point, my parents had moved to Maryland and finished high school there. And through a friend of a friend, I ended up having a guy reach out to me, uh, was part of this kind of like, I'll call it mentoring program at my high school. And he came to me and said, hey, I have a friend in New Jersey who 
um, helps people when they have unique financial needs. And um, he said, I'd like to introduce you and your parents to him because he might be available and interested in helping you go to college. Because this guy had already asked me, like, how are you going to college? He kind of knew my family circumstances that, um, you know, my parents were trying to you know, survive. They did a great job of teaching my brother and I, you know, work hard, save money, live below your means. Like, you know, we got that. But we didn't have conversations around, you know, how to invest and what to do with one of your three, four or five trust funds. You know, th those weren't exactly the conversations around our dinner table. Sure. Um, so, you know, going off to college was quite literally a matter of, you know, obviously where you can get in. And then secondly, very quickly, you had to have considerations for what can you afford? You know, basically the question was, how much debt did I want to take on to get this thing called an undergrad degree? So my friend introduces me to this guy in New York. Uh, we go, we take the train up to his office. And again, this is how ignorant I was coming out of high school. I go to a corner office in Manhattan at a very large uh, mutual fund complex and go to a corner office. Well, I, I didn't grow up around a dad that was professional, so I didn't understand. I didn't have I didn't have a reference for the corner office. Right. Yeah. So my friend and I walk into this office and you know, he said, like, tell me your story. What's going on? What are you trying to do? So I just kind of talked to him about things I'm interested in, where I'd like to go to college. And by the end of that meeting, he basically says, well, I'd like to help you. And just to be you know, very specific, wherever you can get in or wherever you want to go to college, like I'll foot the bill. Um, and so as a, you know, at that point, 18 year old, you don't really understand, you know, the gravity of, of that decision or the selflessness of that decision that someone else is making quite literally a stranger, you know, other than a mutual you know, friend that we both share. Sure. Um, so the reason I went to college is, um, or the reason I went to the school I went to is because it was affordable because this gentleman was willing to quite literally stroke a check for, you know, tuition payment. Interesting. I kind of, little side note, I ended up keeping some of the debt for myself just because I did not feel compelled to have someone else pay for it. Like, I think my parents had ingrained in me, you know, hard work and effort. So between paying for some of it because of my summer jobs and then, you know, taking years after graduation to pay off some of the debt. It just felt like something that was the right thing to do. So it was largely because of this, um, you know, very kind man that paid for my college, but it was also through some of the you know, sacrifice of parents and, and my work. So go to college. Uh, I'm finishing college and I'm walking past my lacrosse coach's office. And he says, at that point, I have a big goatee, hair down my back, uh, long hair down my back. And he goes, he points to me and he goes, how are you going to get a job? Like just the most pointed, direct slightly skeptical question. I said, no, I got this internship at a bank. I really like it. Um, and I think I'll be good because you just need that first little, you know, resume, you know, piece, and then you can kind of use that as a platform. So he goes, well, you need to get my wife's job. So literally in that moment, again, ran, I'm just randomly walking down the, you know, the office, the hall, and he picks up the phone, calls his wife at his, at her office and says, Hey, can you get Josh an interview at your firm? Cause she was pregnant with their third child leaving and he knew she was going to have a you know, succession plan in place. So over the next three months, I get a job or I get interviewed, finally get the job. Um, funny thing is I'm there like six or nine months and I go to my boss who owns this firm, this wealth management firm. And I say, hey, his name's Jack. I say, hey, Jack, thank you for not forcing me to you know, shave my goatee and cut my long hair in the interview process. Because at that point, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, kept saying, like, you might want to you know, cut the hair. You might want to look a little more respectable, get professional kind of thing. So I, I go to Jack and I say this and Jack goes, oh, Josh, I should have told you your hair is short. My son has hair down to, you know, and he points to much longer hair 
than what I had. So it all worked out. But yeah, that's I that's I got into the industry not because I had an understanding of finance or econ. I got into the industry because someone was willing to take me under their wing, teach me if for Jack, it was a second career. So he had his one advisor and nine support staff. So very early in my career, I you know, saw the, I'll use the term, the sales portion of the industry. And this guy was very clearly in the service and planning side. So I'm, I'm really lucky. I'm really glad that I kind of saw the advisory, the planning side of the industry in that first job. Wow. So um, now the relationship with Jack then uh, was formed just by happenstance. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And then from there, it was all apprenticeship. I mean, I was, I was there for two years. I'll, I'll gladly say this. My first job, I was making $28,000 a year. I'm not that old, but I was living in this, you know, in central Pennsylvania, so the lower cost of living, but it was a complete understudy role just to say, I needed to learn some hard skills. I got all my licensing. I got everything, you know, kind of done and out of the way and then learned what this man had built from, again, you've got one advisor and nine support staff. The guy was a machine and I'm forever indebted to his, you know, skill set and philosophy. Yeah. So, so pretty much priceless experience, right? I mean, yeah. The simple fact that you're making money was good enough for the value that you got for the training, the hands-on, the experience on being able to not only, you know, work with those clients that I'm sure to this day, you incorporated the things that you learned from that early stage of the financial services industry. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, think about, we, we all know that this industry, when you're young, you know, most sales environments or sales cultures will say, write a list of a hundred people that you know, right? Let's go to your neighbor, your neighbor's dog sitter, your, your T-ball coach from third grade, you know, and let's go hawk some product and sell some stuff to them. And I didn't spend any time doing that. I didn't have to kill relationships, right? I didn't, I didn't have to be the sales guy. I didn't have to be the closer. It was literally just offering a service because I was part of Jack's team. He was the one with the skill set. He was the one with the, the relationships. And I was just playing the role that Jack asked me to play. And that was a wonderful understudy or apprenticeship. Nice, you basically got paid to get educated, which apprenticeship is a very um, powerful way to transfer skill sets and where we've gotten away from that. And I think with the, you know, with the colleges being becoming so corrupt and not really even teaching much that's viable unless you have a specific thing that you're going to do. Um, I know like my son went to U of O for a couple of years and he's like, this is stupid. I goes, I'm just going to go start making money and I stop racking up bills and stuff like that. But I, I did notice one thing that's really exciting to me, um, Josh, and your story, because you, you keep talking about like, well, these people just kept coming into my life and, and then this happened and, you know, people were showing up and there was presence and then I got a scholarship and then the, the, my coach and this job and all that stuff. And, and I've tuned into my spiritual practice recent last since 2018. And what I've learned is, is that there are many forms of abundance. They don't have to be just financial, but financial abundance is one valid form of abundance right now. It really is. But just being in the right place at the right time and gifts that can come in and, you know, houses that you can stay at, right? Just, hey, mm -hmm. go stay at the house. You don't need to own a house. I've experienced these things myself, um, you know, many, many times. And um, as I've been, you know, when I was struggling building my business, I was like in my goals. I'm like, yeah, I want to have, um, I want to have an infrared sauna, and I want to have a hyperbaric chamber in my house. It's some of my goals long term, but a long time ago, were like, I want to have this stuff in my home. 
And when I moved out of this one place, I had I had the sauna myself, but I sold my sauna. But the places that I went to help other people heal themselves, I've been on this like sabbatical for three years. The last house that I'm in right now, um, you know, I have my sauna here, but she ended up uh, buying a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. And then I got to use it, right? Yeah. Before I had the cash to do it. So it's just like, you don't always have to go buy stuff. Yeah. Right? It can come. And I believe that when you're falling. So I'm just going to take a guess here, but I I know I'm already right, which is you were probably pretty happy growing up as a kid, weren't you? Oh, I mean, you think about, you know, free time. You think about, you know, what was fun. Um, absolutely. You were, yeah, you were just doing what gave you the most excitement and joy, right? Completely. Yeah, whether it was, you know, rec soccer on Saturday and then that ended and you ran off and played basketball with all your buddies from elementary school and then you went off and played, you know, lacrosse next season and then, you, yeah, all those things. That was complete contentment, joy, and fun. You're absolutely right. Right. And when you follow that thread of excitement, that's how this stuff lines up, listeners. Yep. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, Enrichers, and when we get back, we'll get more into like what Josh is doing with his clients right now to help them keep their money safe and secure and growing. We'll Estate right planning. What does that even mean? When the inevitable happens for everyone on this planet, your estate plan kicks into action. But first, let's start with what an estate is. An estate is simply everything you own. Now, here's the issue and what needs to be understood when this event occurs. You only have two choices on this plan. Number one, either you plan how your estate gets handed out and distributed to those you leave behind. Or number two, your state decides who gets everything you own. For the first time ever, you can now take complete and total control of this plan that you've been deprived of for most of your life and generations before you. You can get personalized assistance along the way with a team of specialists whose job it is to make sure you have true peace of mind. It's important to understand that estate planning is a journey and rest assured that our team will be available to you all along the way and at every step. Welcome to eState Plan, home of the last estate plan you'll ever need. To learn more, make sure to reach out to your local advisor licensed with us or go to our website for more information. What's up, Enrichers? Tim James here. I'm back with my co-host, Carter Wilcoxon. Today in the house, we've got Josh Manifold from Compass Ion Advisors, or he's a very compassionate guy. Compass Ion spells compassion. It's pretty cool. We're going to talk about that a lot today because Carter and I think it's cool. All right. So, um, Josh, you know, you're an advisor now. You're seeing clients. You're helping them. What is it? Uh, like, what's your niche? What are, you, what are you doing to help people, you know, from start to finish? Yeah, great question. Um, we've built a firm. I, I'm again a benefactor of, um, I'd say, you know, of long-term generosity. Uh, four guys founded this firm about 20 years ago, um, and over a number of years of either just retirement or kind of partners moving on, um, my current co-owner and I are the two that kind of own and lead and run our firm. Uh, so what do I do now? I've got responsibilities for running and operating the firm. We operate as an RIA. We're a fiduciary for families. Um, and I'm still I'm still have client responsibilities as well. So we're working with a variety of entrepreneurs, you know, retirees. Um, I would say, honestly, like, we don't have a niche, which is kind of the beauty of um, what we've been able to, I'd say, achieve and offer to a wide variety of families with complex situations, 
um, at different seasons of life with different expectations, um, all with sometimes just different problems and different pain points in their in their finances and what they're trying to accomplish. So, you know, I, in the day and age where everybody's saying this is their niche, they work with, uh, you know, left-handed underwater basket weavers that were born on Thursdays. I've seen some pretty unique niches. Uh, like, we don't. So, so that, that's been a, a real, uh, from our point of view, opportunity for us. You know, I also like on your website, I was looking under the about us page. Usually it's like, you know, Josh Manifold, principal, you know, Matt Kane, president, you know, just naming off a few people. But you guys have a difference. It says Josh Manifold, adventure seeker, father of four, principal. Matt King, soccer and fishing addict, father of five boys, president. So I, I just thought that was a really cool. Um, I like that a lot. I might, uh, I do that too on my on my thing. It's like, yeah, CEO and founder, but it's like, you know, I'm yoga instructor, um, chef, and learning guitar. You know, it there puts the realism in the in the person rather than just being some you know stoic, boring figure. You get well, it, yeah. You know, and and, and Josh, I, I do, I love that as well. You know, um, because here's the thing, I don't know if all too often is the right thing to say, but but very often what ends up getting lost during um you know from a financial advisor's perspective is the fact that you're dealing with human beings right and you are dealing with relationships and you know you mentioned how you work with like people that have this these complex situations well guess what everybody's situation is complex to them yeah right? they're like i need guidance i need help right but the, but at the end of the day and this will never ever change and the reason why we love having our guests come onto the uh, onto the podcast, so you can be able to share this with your you know current clients or prospective clients or whatever. Is people do business with those that they know, they like, and they trust. What's really hard to like and trust somebody if you don't know them at all, right? And and, and so in that same vein, the relationship and that that perspective and what I love about how you're like we don't have like a niche like. I would venture a guess that you like to work with people who you like to work with and vice versa. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, guys, our website filters out, you know, a certain, you know, personality, right? It, either one, if you're looking for some, um, I, you know, I'll call it, you know, you know, performance-based outcome, right? Like you're not going to really be interested in, in our services, right? We're advice and we're planning based. Okay. The other side is if you're looking, if your personality or expectations are you're looking for someone who tries to communicate ego, tries to communicate, I'm the smartest man or woman in the room, that's not our mantra, right? So there's there's a curiosity, there's a natural humility to, you know, let's build a team around you, right? Our CSRs, uh, our uh, planning department, incredibly wise and competent human beings, Right. With their own stories. And at the same time, you know, we just kind of lead with curiosity and say, we just need to understand who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. Most people can very clearly say what's wrong with their relationships and or their relationships with money. And I think that's an interesting concept that we try to unpack through understanding mission, vision, values and goals for the families that we serve to say, where are you at? Where are you trying to get? And what are some of the roadblocks or what are some of the reasons you haven't gotten there? And we've got stories as far as, I mean, last year we had a tech firm, uh, the founder sold his business and somewhere around 60 days before 
you know, basically with the advice that we were going through, realized he wanted to sell a portion of the business to a donor advised fund. So we basically turned on a dime, you know, created, I call it a fire drill of there's a deadline because the transaction's happening. And he was able to liquidate 10% of his company, a privately held company, to a, a donor advised fund, you know, got all the tax benefits, his CPA's on board, checks all the boxes. You know, why? Because he valued generosity and said, what do I do now? So we did an RFP with four different you know, donor advised fund platforms and got the job done in an efficient manner where he was focused on the legal and compliance side. We handled all the finance stuff to get it done in the last second. So you're absolutely right. We're at a season where it's really nice to kind of select and choose, you know, what are the personalities? What are the circumstances? What are the goals um, that, that are, that are these prospects or someone who's interested in working with us? What is it that they want? Let's, let's make sure we understand fit. Uh, not just you have a pulse and you have a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, and I know that uh, pre-show and everything, when, when we were uh, chatting, you said that you got a chance to uh, listen to a few of the other podcasts and everything. And, and one of the things, so, so Tim has what he calls his core four. And then I have, as far as like uh, my, my own bit of um, takeaway or, or, or my, my knowledge that I'd like to share is something that I call creating a four a client. And yep. the four A's stand for something specific, right? And it goes right in line with what you're talking about, right? So in order to grow your practice, you want four A clients and as many of them as you can get. And the four A's are this. Those who have the right attitude, who have the right aptitude with the proper amount of assets, who can become advocates for what it is that you do, right? So that is the, the recipe as far as if you can, I'm generalizing here now, if you can create a lot of those 4A clients, they become an advocate and a raving fan on, you know, you're, they're ultimately going to attract for you, if it's a 5A client, they're going to attract <laughs> those same types of individuals that they surround themselves with, right? So yeah. if you can multiply and duplicate your top 10 households you work with, Every single year, year in and year out, it's impossible to not become successful. Yeah. And love what you do. Completely. Yeah. So, Tim, what do you think about that? Uh, it's just amazing. <laughs> so, Makes uh, sense. That's what people want. Yeah. So, I, I, I did notice, and what I, I'd like to get your take on this a little bit, uh, because we throw away around that word fiduciary on a regular basis, right? And I, and I get it. We want to, you know... Fisher Investments fiduciary, Schwab and fiduciary. It's like we beat this fiduciary thing to death and everything. But, you know, what you do and why financial services is uh, is interesting, it's really impossible to not do the right thing for your client, right? Like you can't be successful in this industry by not doing the right thing for your client. But I am interested on how you marry, because I noticed on some of your uh, – um, your licensing, your fiduciary, RIA and everything, but you guys also deal with insurance and things of that nature. So you've got some commission stuff, but also some fee stuff also. And uh, I'm just wondering how with your clients, how you, how you help them understand the value and the benefit of having those two different, you know, uh, mindsets and solutions simultaneously. Yeah. Great question. Um, from our point of view, the vast majority of our revenue is from the fee-based side of our uh, service offering 
and source of revenue, which is single, singularly from client uh, fees. We, in the past, um, there was not a 529 uh, RIA option. There's a plan out of Utah that had re that is recently converted and is now has RIA compatibility. Um, we actually then as a firm, once we switched from our brokerage based or commission based 529s, because that's all the industry was offering to Utah, we then looked at the revenue, looked at our clientele and said, you know what, this is an opportunity for cost savings. So as a firm, we no longer bill on or charge for uh, 529s. Uh, so from our point of view, we found an com incredibly competitive offering within that plan, dimensional, Vanguard, PIMCO, you know, fund offerings, incredibly low fund offering or you know, plan administration fees. So our brokerage side or our commission-based portion of the business is for the occasional form of life insurance, but typically we're outsourcing that. We have a list of partners that do a great job uh, on the life insurance as there's an annuity or some type of an income option, if that's something that is you know, needed and called for in the lens or through the lens of a financial plan, then that happens. Uh, but there's such little, I'd say, commission-based uh, or broker-dealer-based business. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to talk about given the, the grand scheme of where our true revenue as a firm comes from. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so it, it um, but you understand being in this industry uh, about the importance, obviously, for households to have, I mean, you were talking about with, like with your dad, right? He didn't die. There wasn't a life insurance, but that's a critical piece of the equation to, for, you know, for the unintended or, or for the things that are unforeseen, right? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, as a, as a fiduciary, as a, as an advisor, the importance of that as being part of an, an overall portfolio of someone's protection. You have to, I mean, guys, you know, we, we can sit here and talk finance all day because it's what we are either curious about or it's part of our, our job, but I real I, I know and I regularly sit with families who say they are overwhelmed. It's complex. It never makes it to their top 10 list of things they want to do that day, that week or that month. And so it's literally like they they come to a meeting, but it's almost like they're you know kind of dragging their feet going. I'd rather be doing 100 other things. But they get to a certain point and that's usually some form of an intersection. Could be the death of a parent. Right. Could be a divorce. You know, could be a retirement where they're saying. This is a big enough priority. Something just happened. And now I need to get serious. Now I need to be curious. Now I need to sit with a professional who's going to understand me and give me true advice and a financial plan and give me ongoing investment recommendations. And that's kind of that difference. I, I would actually say that as much as you might have beat the word fiduciary to death on your podcast or in conversations with your friends, when I talk to the general investing public, you know, from my point of view, they still don't understand the difference. Yeah. Uh, and as far as what they think their big box, you know, firm is offering or capable of, they don't understand the conflicts of interest. They don't understand the product-based incentive, you know, incentives that exist. And you know, once they kind of have an understanding or an introduction to an RA model, that's where they're going, oh my, I didn't know that existed. Why, how could I ever go back to, you know, an old world, an old model, you know, those things that exist. Yeah, so so I'm curious, and, and I know that uh, we've got uh, you know a few more minutes in this segment, but I, I I'd like to find out over the last two years something has happened in the world. I don't know if you know about it or not, but there's been some changes going on. Yeah, uh, what's it been like for you as far as like you know growing your practice, meeting with clients? You know, I I have have uh, learned that especially even myself as we work you know with a lot of different advisors throughout the country. 
you know, having meetings virtually is really, really easy now. And a lot of their clientele, and I just want to get this from you, um, they become comfortable, you know, even in their, you know, 60s or 70s, sometimes 80s, and even 90s, comfortable, like having like virtual meetings. Are you seeing that same type of a trend where you're at there? Absolutely. I mean, I think clients want to meet and rightfully so they want it more and more on their terms, right? I mean, we'll send an invitation for a meeting and, you know, from, uh, you know, our template email says, you know, what are the things that are important to you? So to, to create an agenda that says, when do you want to meet and how do you want to meet? Do you still like phone calls? Do you still like Zoom meetings? I mean, from a, from a generational standpoint, it's wonderful for us because, you know, when clients retire and then their kids live three states away, you know, for some of our families, they value transparency, right? So they're a values-driven family and they're saying, I need my son. I want my daughter, right? And they're going to, they're able to join those calls where in our pre-COVID world where it was, we're meeting Thursday at four o'clock, park on the third level parking garage, take the elevator, you know, to the second floor and meet with us in our conference room. That wasn't something that they were either comfortable with or, you know, when you live three hours away or three states away, the kids weren't joining. And so I think, you know, transparency is going up, of time effectiveness is going up, um, client engagement's going up. For the clients that are saying, this is convenient, I'm okay using technology as some part of our relationship, it's been a huge win for clients, their kids, their grandkids. Um, you know, that kind of engagement's really driven curiosity, it's driven, um, you know, good questions. You know, their CPAs can join, their attorneys can join. It's really building that team uh, environment for that is in care of, right? That's in service of the client experience. That, so we see that on a regular basis, huge fans of it. Yeah, and, and I honestly, I don't see that changing. I, I see that being more and more embraced. And I believe the enlightened advisors that we have been, uh, you know, coaching and training and teaching ourselves, we're like, you know, um, don't go by way of the dodo bird, right? You need to embrace the digital age. Yeah. Transformation. Because we're in it now, right? Yeah. You need to embrace the digital age because I can promise you that a lot of the clientele that our advisors work with, you know, they are the older generation, right? They are the boomers and the seniors. And um, even in order to keep in touch with the kids and the grandkids, they were forced to have to start doing virtual meetings, right? So it wasn't like, and then they started growing comfortable in it. Well, why can't your practice, your advisory practice, well, in fact, why? You better embrace that that sort of that uh, communication yeah because if you don't and other advisors are embracing that you will definitely lose out on that relationship yeah yeah i mean you think there's a whole i'll call it the financial entertainment complex right that exists and makes things uh you know overly difficult you know you got from our point of view i think we've got a team in a process that makes you know things simple makes things easy whether it's just scheduling a meeting whether it's just getting something done, whether it's just answering your question or whether it's the actual, you know, entire comprehensive financial planning process. You know, you're right that those things are expected, should be expected on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Yeah. The, e the ease of doing business with you is going to attract a heck of a lot more clientele than, uh, you know, trying to continually live in the old paradigm, if you will. Yeah. yeah. yeah and some clients are like, so like jaded, they're just waiting for one thing to go wrong to just, that's it. And I'm out of here. And, you know, they take off and it's just some people are like that. So hopefully you're not attracting those people, Josh. <laughs> we try not to. You're right. He, he's yeah. got the positive vibe going on, right? Since totally, he, dude. 
yeah. like the website. I like the attitude. I like everything. I like the story. All right, guys. So let's take another break. And then when we get back, we'll flip the script. And Josh can ask me anything he wants. His little heart desires about health. We'll be right back. You want the absolute best for yourself. And you want it to be easy. That's why we created Green 85. It helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical-free, unlike almost all other supplements you'll find. Bottom line, Green 85 will get you healthier. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. What's up? In Richards, Tim James here, back with my co-host Carter Wilcox. And today in the house, we've got Josh Manifold. And uh, Josh, this is the part where we flip that script and you get to ask me questions about health. So what's your questions, brother? Sure. Just wanted to start. Um, what do you advise? What do you recommend uh, from a sleep standpoint? Can you kind of walk through and help? You know, we work with clients who are that kind of, I'd say, stressed, you know, two income, both working, trying to balance kids and then all the way, you know, through, you know, retirees. Um, so, like, talk to the importance of sleep from a health standpoint, um, like any any opinion, any perspective on that. Uh, sure. That's a, it's a big topic. Um, you know, the sleep, in my opinion, is um, besides freedom and love. The number one nutrient is air because we perish without it in four to seven minutes. So oxygen is pretty darn important. If we're going to look at how long we can live without it, oxygen is number one. Number two would be water because without water, you're dead in 11 days. And sleep is number three or because it's about 11 days on sleep too. If you don't sleep for 11 days, you die. So sleep's up there. It's a big one. And... um you know, when you're not feeling good, what do you want to do? You want to sleep. So it's it's a it's a place to restore and regenerate. Um, when people are wanting to build muscle, you don't build muscle in the gym. In the gym, you tear it down. It's actually built at night when you're sleeping, as it's as the muscles are, are are regrowing and stuff. So sleep is important. So you have to think about your environment when you're sleeping. So what's your air quality? That's a big one. If you if you if you're in a bedroom that has carpet, man, do you need an air purification system because that carpet's off gassing formaldehyde. You're you're embalming yourself and your children. You don't know it though because we we can't see this stuff. So the chemicals are bad. Um, and just to give you an idea, Josh, all you have to do is type in umbilical cord chemical, those three words into your browser when you're done, and go check out these studies going back to 2005. Every single child being born and the young mothers are completely polluted with, you know, 180 cancer causing chemicals at the low end 212 chemicals cause developmental and brain disorders so we're born polluted today older we are the more time we've had to bioaccumulate these toxins so you want to get a good night's sleep you want to get awesome air how do you do that on the cheap start cracking your windows at night let some fresh air in even if you live in cities the air in your home is 100 times more polluted than what's outside so fresh air is important um take it to another level you get a, a air purification system uh, we have uh, my best choice. Um, it's on our website now. Um, you want to get a really, really awesome. Uh, you can get a whole house system too, where you can get UVs going through in the HVAC and really clean up your air. So you can spend as little or as much as you want on that. Um, we also want to look at um, 
uh, EMFs and ELFs, electric electric magnetic frequencies and electric low frequencies. The ELFs come from your uh, from your electrical uh, grid in your house. So if you have all these plugins, if your if your head or your body is within three foot of an electrical socket, you're getting zapped, and that can disrupt not only cells but your sleep. So we've seen this. We take a little thing and you go up to a light socket, and as you get within three foot of it, it goes. And then people are like, oh, my God, my head's right there. And they get it. But without that little device, you don't know. You can't see it. You can't. You know, most people can't feel it or nothing, so they don't know. So they don't believe it. It's like woo-woo, but it's real. That's electric low frequency. Now, the EMS can come from your smart meter, a.k.a. should be called a death meter. Um, get that thing stopped. It's like I think it's like 80 bucks. They'll come out and remove it and charge you an extra 10, 12 bucks a month. Get that off your house. That's pumping out 2.4 gigahertz. So what a lot of our clients will do, especially ones that are highly sensitive, we'll have an electric, uh, a contractor come, an electrician, and they heart and they fix a switch on their at least their bedroom, or when they come in and go to bed at night, they flip the switch and all the power stops coming into their bedroom at least. Right. So this is the level of thinking on this stuff. The other thing you want to do is you want to get a really awesome bed. I mean, you're you're going to be spending a third of your life sleeping, and you want to get the best quality sleep ever. Man, the bed industry is jacked. You know, <laughs> it's really jacked. If you're doing one of those beds that are, you know, they're different numbers, you can sleep, and it's an air chamber. It's eventually you're going to have mold mold toxicity. It's impossible not to because mold will get inside of these air chambers because of just temperature fluctuations. Uh, it, it, it creates mold in there and moisture. Um, if you're sleeping on memory foam. Man, you're getting you're just breathing in a tremendous amount of toxins, and the memory foams aren't really good on your spine either. So the chiropractors really don't like those. Um, so you want to get a good bed that's going to support the spine. It's non toxic. Um, the beds that I have, um, I did over a year and a half worth of research on my bed before I picked it out, and um, it's freaking awesome. Uh, the only thing that sucks about when you get one of these beds is you you don't want to take a vacation. <laughs> I'm serious, like they're that good. In fact, the last layer on this bed is a two-inch gel matrix that they use in hospitals for paraplegics, quadriplegics, um, and people that are incapacitated so they don't get pressure points and get those open sores because they're just not moving. This gel matrix completely disperses all weight and makes it all even. So there's you can look at it on pressure points. It eliminates all the pressure points. And if you eliminate pressure points you eliminate disturbing your sleep so you don't wake up as much and you sleep deeper, right? So your bed technology, you're cracking your windows. I also diffuse essential oils at night, and I rotate at least four different ones because you don't want to do the same essential oil every night or every two or three nights. It's four minimum, and then rotate it. Maybe it's lavender one night, and then the next night it's you know Roman chamomile, and the next night it's... What's that? Frankincense. That's one of my my Frankincense. Yeah, if you're a foodie, you could get chocolate. You could <laughs> vanilla. Vanilla is a very pleasant smell. It, it really is. In fact, um, when I was back in the mortgage industry, I used to coach my real estate agents when they're doing their open houses and tell them one of the best things you can do is, you know, bake some cookies or diffuse like some uh, some get some uh, vanilla smells going. Now back then I didn't know about diffusers, so I told them to put in the toxic vanilla deals, but I didn't know. But people like vanilla. Right. They like vanilla. So those things that way, when you're sleeping, you're actually gently 
medicinally helping your body. You're giving your body like light, light doses of plant-based medicine through these essential oils. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, other than that, um, there's prep work to sleep well, you know, avoiding blue lights and stuff at least an hour before you go to bed so that because if you have light in front of your eyes, your body still thinks it's daylight, so it won't kick in and produce melatonin, which is the first step to kind of get you into sleep. So, you know, get get like a like a soft, low light, read a book, get electronics out of your room, um, sauna before you go to bed. Um, if you don't have a sauna, get one. Um, if you don't have a sauna yet and you're on your way to get one, then it, you can go in. A tactic we use is um, uh, just rinsing off in the water. Just get in the, get in the water, rinse off, and then just dry off. That's it. You'll sleep better. Something about the water coming in, it's just a soothing effect. And one of these things. These are called spook mats. You can get them at spookspace.com. This is an acupressure mat. You see those little spikes? You can lay on this for 10, 15 minutes before you go to bed. It helps you helps you sleep. Plus, it's great for low back pain and all kinds of stuff. So there's a snip, snippet into a comprehensive approach of things that we do when we have clients come in that have health issues, whether it's stage 4 cancer or MS, um, which I would like to talk about, by the way. I don't know if your dad – is your dad still alive? No, he passed uh, about 15 years ago. Okay. Um, that's – unfortunate um i wish i would have known this information and i was able to teleport back and help him but um yeah those are some of the things around the sleep sleep area that we do to stack in our clients environment and their lifestyle so they can get their health back yeah um i'm open to talking about anything around the ms side but my next question was i feel like i'm seeing a cultural um like an i'll, I'll call it a cultural underdog that is uh, saying people that are done with alcohol for a variety of reasons. Um, but I'm seeing dry bars, you know, with, uh, with businesses, you know, pop up. I'm seeing, you know, uh, is it no drink January, right? There's like, there's a whole, I'd say cultural shift around people understanding or people kind of asking questions around how is alcohol affecting my health, let alone all the other things. But it's like, can you speak to any opinion and perspective on the role alcohol plays on your body? on longevity, on health, anything on that topic? Yeah, sure. So if you go over to to Europe and stuff like that, you know, there's going to be, because I have to preface this with this information because a lot of people are going to be going, well, you drink a glass of wine or two a night and that's healthy for you. And Well, a lot of times when people are doing that, yeah, it can be a de-stressor, right? Because stress is, but you you can also meditate. You can do breath work. You can bounce on a mini trampoline. You can go for a walk. There's a lot of things you can play with a grandkid. There's a lot of things you can do to de-stress. Okay. It doesn't have to be booze, but I'm not saying you have a drink or two. No big deal. Shoot me. It's not a big deal. Parties, birthdays, you know, weddings. Okay. But when it's day in and day out, yeah, that can be a problem. Right. And some people like one to two drinks and that's what they want to live their life. That's fine. You know, it's no problem. But those people over there in Europe and stuff like that, like the Sardinians that are part of this group called, the, you know, in the blue zones, they have the most centurions, the people that are living the longest. There was four common factors in all these people, the Okinawans in Japan, the Costa Rica, there's people in Costa Rica, there's uh, the Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, California, all these little, these little blue zones, they call them, where people have the most centurions, they live the longest. The four common factors, number one, um, lifelong friends. So socializing, very important, and having good bonds and friends were tribal. Number two, respecting elders. 
that was another thing in the culture. Number three was um, uh, movement. They move every day. And number four was an 80% plant-based diet or greater by weight. Hmm. So the more plants that you have them and the fresher the plants and the fresher the food, the healthier you're going to be. Because the more your food's commercialized, denatured, bagged, boxed, canned, jarred, heated, pasteurized, irradiated, synthetic, you know, added, um, shipped, had ethylene pumped into the truck so the vegetables stay longer. All these things are a distortion from nature. And we are nature. So we need to plug back into the mothership, which is Mother Earth. So fresh foods are um, are of utmost importance um, uh, when it comes to health. And I got off topic. Can you restate the question again? Was this interested on alcohol? Just the, the oh, alcohol. Yeah, I can play. I don't get this alcohol question very much. All right. So my personal opinion is um, what I've learned is that if you take here's the unfortunate side. If you have one beer, one shot of whiskey, one glass of wine, you are going to you're destroying your gut microbiome. Your gut microbiome is a huge part of your immune system. You have the innate immune system, the adaptive immune system, the interferon system the gut microbiome, and the neural system. That's the modern view of the immune system that came out of the National Sciences Foundation lecture in the fall of 2019 by Dr. Shiva Ayaduri. Unfortunately, our medical system is still based on that 60-year at best, maybe 100-year-old antiquated model of the immune system, just the innate and the adaptive, the two-box model. It's not the case. So if your gut microbiome is a massive, important part, and I mean, Kind of everybody knows this now, too, because look at what probiotic sales. I mean, people kind of know they're they're buying probiotic foods and sauerkrauts and kimchi, and they're starting to do that stuff because we're realizing. I mean, when people have severe issues and gut issues, they're even doing fecal implants now. They're taking fecal material from healthy people and implanting it rectally into unhealthy people to help them recolonize these bacteria. That's how important it is. Okay, so they're doing it in Western medicine. In functional medicine where they're doing fecal implants, that should tell you how important it is in that delicate microbiome system you have going in there and why you don't want to disrupt it. So if, if you can have compensating factors and you're working out and you're drinking you know, healthy water and doing all this stuff and green juices and you're sleeping well and you're not, you could probably get away with it. But if you have any health issues at all, it's probably a good idea to not drink. It just probably is a good idea. Um, not only will it disrupt the the um, gut microbiome, but alcohol. People are not alcoholics; um, they're they're sugar addicts because alcohol converts to sugar in the body, and it's very sugar. It's acidy. It's very acid, so it leads to sore joints, arthritis, headaches, um, gout, these types of things. Like any, it's acid inflammation. Hmm. So we're trying to keep our bodies as alkaline and high oxygen as possible. And sugar, which, you know, what alcohol really is, it's sugar. Um, it just doesn't do that. It doesn't really do a, a body that good. But, again, I'm not telling people what to do. I'm just saying, hey, this is – I used to drink. I don't drink anymore. I just don't. I mean, I might have one here and there. Like if I'm out going out with some friends, usually I just drink – you know, I go crazy and I have – Carter's not going to believe it, but I had carbonated water. I know it steals water from your bones, but I had some carbonated water with a little splash of cranberry juice, and I have them squeeze some lime in it. And that's what I'll do. Or I might have like a coffee and Bailey's, which I don't drink coffee, and I don't drink. But those two together, you know, it's like you should see me on a coffee and Bailey's. 
In fact, I'm a little tired right now because we did that. We were out late Sunday night with because uh, I'm taking off. I I was out late, dude. I've been up late. I'm tired right now. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm freaking, I'm dragging, man. I've been working all day, and it's like sleep's important. It's really <laughs> important because I've been off asleep for three hard, three out of the last four days, like up till four in the morning, two nights in a row. Brutal. Yeah, going out with friends and then coming back home and then playing music for two hours until like four in the morning. Right. So, but, um, yeah, so sleep is uh, important and, you know, alcohol is one of those things that's buyer beware. I would do it in limited quantities. If you have any health concerns whatsoever, I would completely avoid it. Um, my last topic was something you just touched on. And that was sugar. Um, can you help us understand from a diet standpoint, just, you know, where are all the places that sugar shows up in the, you know, foods we're eating, what we're in the things we're drinking, um, like just any, any opinion on the role sugar plays in yeah. about the average, the typical, the normal American diet. Well, first off, if you go back and look at the history of sugar, maybe you go like to, you know, back to the 14, 1500s when there was Kings and peasants, right? Well, nobody had sugar. It was expensive. It was hard to get. Actually, the Kings had it under lock and key, like locked up. And it was only brought out for birthdays and holidays and, and that kind of stuff. And the kings and stuff, they were eating their faces off and overeating, and they were the ones that were fat and unhealthy. The peasants who ate lower on the food chain, they were very healthy, and they worked all day in the fields So because they moved their bodies and they ate food directly from the earth. So um, that's the basis. Now, moving forward today, sugar's in everything. Um, and sugar cane is the high, most highly sprayed crop in the world. They spray more pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, larvicides, chemical fertilizer. Than anything else, cotton I think is number two. That's why you, if you're wearing cotton and it's not organic, you're polluting yourself. It's off-gassing chemicals into your body from the from the sprays. So, you um, when it comes to um, you know sugar, what are the things to look out for that are common? Well, number one would be just like you know wheat noodles, like wheat. Like they're taking wheat in its dormant state, grinding it up, adding sugar and salt and, and and some yeast, and they make noodles out of it. They make spaghetti out of it. They kind of make this stuff. It's not sprouted, meaning soaked in water first to release its natural insecticide or protectant, and it becomes more, on average, about eight times more digestible. Any nut, seed, grain, or bean should be soaked in water first, period, to activate it, activate the enzymes, release those natural insecticides, and become more digestible. That's not happening. So when you're eating wheat over here in the States, it's got gluten in it, and there's all these gluten sensitivities. It's like glue to your gut. There's celiac disease, all this stuff. I have people that are highly sensitive to wheat. They go over to Europe and eat it. No problem. They come over here. It's a shit show. And it's because of hybridization, genetic modification. They're disrupting the plant's uh, metabolism. And it's actually creating more formaldehyde, just like the carpets. So things to stay away from. If you see wheat, wheat gluten, whole wheat, still wheat, whole wheat, whole wheat bread. You're eating bread, turns right to sugar. You eat oatmeal, sugar. Um, sugar, sugar. Let's see what else? So pastas, pastries, you got to watch out for that stuff. Milk has a lot of sugar in it, dairy, cow's milk. And even some of these other ones now, these almond milks and stuff that are sweetened, I can't even, I, I just like, ugh. It's to me, it's nasty because I'm so clean now. Like there's no way I could eat that stuff. I, I sugar my, or sweeten my stuff up with um, Stevita brand Stevia, the liquid drops. Because they don't, they process theirs without chemicals, 
and it's you know it makes it sweet but there's no there's i mean it's actually good for diabetics actually it actually helps to regulate blood sugar imagine a sweetener that regulates blood sugar that's pretty cool right uh monk fruit's another alternative so yeah pastries pastas that kind of stuff um alcohol has sugar in it um but they put sugar in everything you know cereal um they just put it in about everything and sugar has a bunch of different names nowadays yeah so if you see anything in a in ingredients list ending in ose ose it's probably a sugar maltodextrin you know dextrose sucrose um stuff like that so don't read the late don't read the front of the label you have to go to the ingredients list and read that. That's very important nowadays and try to buy minimal ingredients and try to buy fresher foods and just stay away from sugar because sugar is one molecule. Like it's very similar to cocaine. It's only one molecule off. But if you look at the chemical structure of cocaine and sugar, absolutely almost identical in chemical structure and three times as hard is more addictive than cocaine. Wow. That's crazy, right? Speechless. Yeah, yeah Josh. And you'll find, too, it makes you tired. It makes your teeth hurt. When you put sugary stuff and you got tooth issues, your teeth hurt. You eat stuff like that, your bones hurt, right? It's just like it's not – you go out in nature, go ahead and try to find big hump, uh, you know, bags of sugar in nature. It ain't going to happen. The only time you're going to find it is when fruit is ripe, and fruit today has been hybrid 30 to 50 times more sweeter than its origins. So, like, the fruit that we're eating today is not even – it wasn't even created by God. It was just man's manipulated most of it because people, I mean, imagine a fruit stand. It's like, Hey, sour apples. Hey honey, let's get some of those. No, it's going to say sweet apples and you're going to pull in and get it. Sweet watermelon, sweet oranges. Mmm, that's good. Cause, cause we are programmed to look for sweet, to look for fat and sure and salt in nature because there's not a lot of it. It's not easy access. Now maybe you can, you know, you know, get some honey, but Probably gonna get stung. So unless you're a bear and you got a thick hide, or you got a, you know, you were ahead of your time and you built yourself a little Iron Man suit back in the 1400s, you're probably not gonna be able to get that honey very easily. I guess you could light a fire and smoke them out. That's probably what I'd do. Calm them down a little bit and get them in there. But I don't like getting stung by bees. So other than that, man, you know, take your kids and your family and go walk around the woods and try to find salt, fat, and sugar. Good luck. <laughs> we have one sugar receptor in our gut. We have 25 bitter receptors in our gut. What does that tell you? Well, common sense person, if you grew up on a farm like I did, says that we should probably eat stuff that's bitter. Dandelion leaf, and we look at it as a weed. It's a top 10 Chinese herb, and we go buy cancer-causing Roundup and spray it on the dandelion and then track that crap into our house and pollute our kids and give ourselves you know, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Killing something that's a top 10 herb that is um bitter that would work with our receptors in our stomach and give us ideal health you see how backwards everything is today it's kind of crazy but awareness is the first step yeah uh well so do you have any other any other health questions i know we're winding down in richards and we appreciate you being on uh this episode and everything but you know josh manifold do you have anything else that you want to talk as far as health but I, before we go, I got to get in that you were talking about your hair pre-show. That oh, it, yeah. It was wavy, right? But now it's like growing back. And you said you lost a lot of hair, right? Yeah, yeah. I my, I, um, I, I moved to uh, Ethiopia halfway through college and just kept growing my hair out. 
right, years ago. Uh, and one day I woke up and it finally dropped. So recently, just with health issues, lost a significant amount of hair and it came back and it is curlier than ever. So I don't know if in a year or two I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be back to normal wavy hair or if uh, the curliest hair is here to stay. We'll see, guys. You'll, you'll have to let me know. <laughs> so now the, the question of the hour is, is do you still consume Fitz Fits? Fitz Fits? I don't know yeah, what that you, is. You went to Ethiopia, right? Oh, oh, oh yes. Um, in Jera and Watt. Yes. Yeah, I know. There were, there were plenty of great uh, <laughs> food options when I was living in Ethiopia. Yeah, actually, um, have you did you eat Tef when you were over there? Yeah, there's a whole menu of, yes. Did, did you, are you still eating Tef? No, no. Because oh, no. <laughs> uh, my stomach didn't agree with, uh, with a lot of the uh, offerings over there. Mm, great experience okay. loved it but uh at the end of seven months i was uh, i was ready to get back to uh some other food options well there's usually some literally digestive change that has to happen when you go because there's a whole different set of microbiome over there adjusting mm. and stuff but i don't know if they were sprouting the teff it's a little tiny seed it's a very it's a powerhouse um one of the runners uh from ethiopia who was like uh he won a, actually i think he won a gold medal he was one of the top three athletes, sprinters in the world. Hmm. He moved to Sweden because Ethiopia didn't have an Olympic committee or nothing. They couldn't have a team and at the time. And he ran on the Swedish team, but his times went, he was, it went from the top three fastest guys in the world down to the top 100 very quickly. And they were trying to figure out what is going on. And he said, the only thing that has changed was my diet. Cause he went from eating stuff in Ethiopia and Tef to, you know, S- Swedish pancakes and whipped cream and bacon and all that yeah. stuff. So he thought, well, let's try it. So he went back, he got Tef, started eating that stuff, and he right back up into the top three, won the gold medal, and then he, this guy opened up a health food store because he figured out how important nutrition was. That's um, a great experience in, in Sweden. Pretty cool. Love it. For Switzerland? Sweden? Switzerland? I think one of those two places. Started with an S. It's in Europe. <laughs> no, wait, it was Finland. <laughs> it wasn't finland no, just kidding. but they do they do sauna a lot over there so we can learn from them about you should take sauna every day yeah yeah no, no doubt about it so that's kind of cool josh that you uh spent uh would you say seven eight months in ethiopia yeah yeah i was uh close to finish there you know basically got through freshman year and realized hey wait a second there's gotta be more to life wasn't really valuing the academics and uh a, a friend invited me to go over and kind of work uh, in a, a small or in the suburb of Addis Ababa, which is the capital city over there. And so I ended up working in the Shoeshine Boy community. A lot of the kids over there had lost their parents uh, and grandparents to the AIDS epidemic. And so they were, you know, parentless and uh, kind of working on the streets. And it was a kind of aid uh, development uh, type work for seven months. It was absolutely wonderful living and learning uh, from uh, from my Ethiopian friends. Wow. What, what a life experience. We'll... Uh... You know, I'm sure that we could learn a whole heck of a lot more about Josh Manifold um, if we if we had more time. And maybe what we'll have to do is we'll have to have a follow up show and learn more about you and what's going on with your hair. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> or what happens? Hey, Enrichers, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Health and Wealth Podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you do get your podcast: Apple, Google, or Spotify. For all of our previous recordings from other fantastic guests like Josh Manifold, make sure to check out our website at www.thehealthandwealthpodcastshow.com. And uh, and again, make sure to like, share, 
and subscribe. So for my fantastic co-host, Mr. Chemical Free Body himself, Tim James, and our wonderful guest today, Josh Manifold of Compass Ion Advisors, play on words, Compassion Ion Advisors. Uh, I'm Carter Wilcox and C. Hey, Enrichers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Health and Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Wilcoxon. And I'm your host, Tim James. And by God, we are committed to helping you guys have fat wallets, flat bellies. So tune in again for another episode and make sure to like, share, and drink a lot of water. Or beer. You have just listened to the Health and Wealth Podcast with Carter and Tim. Carter and Tim.